you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We have been um, dealing with the world view, and uh, just as a matter of review, the overriding, overarching narrative of a Christian worldview deals with the four aspects of understanding God's story. And it begins with creation, okay? And after creation came the fall. And we see the consequences of that all throughout our life today. And thankfully, God didn't leave us in the fall. He sent his son and he brought redemption, okay? So the, re- the creation, fall, redemption, and the redemption ultimately brings us restoration. First of all, we immediately are restored to fellowship with God, although it is in the midst of a fallen world. But ultimately, we will be restored to complete, perfect fellowship with God. And we look forward to that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. But in the midst of this life that involved the creation, fall, redemption, restoration, there is a great, great battle that goes on. And Paul alludes to it in 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'll begin reading in verse 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows." But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things And before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing, which he will manifest in his own time, he who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thankful, We're thankful today for 
the exhortations, and I pray that you would help us to see the exhortation of this passage and then see the ramifications of it in our own life and that we would be strengthened as a result of that today. Lord, I plead your mercies. I cannot convey the truth that you desire apart from your spirit doing the work, so I yield to you and and rejoice in your direction today. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul, writing to young Timothy, said in verse 11, flee certain things, all the things. We didn't read the, the full context. I haven't dismissed the young kids yet, have I? So, Two, four years old through six years old can go downstairs, okay? You were being so good and quiet, I didn't even notice, all right? Boy, they were ready to go, weren't they? Look at that. That's a good sound to hear, isn't it? All right. So, Paul writing to Timothy said, I want you to put off, and and you will notice throughout all of Scripture, we are continually exhorted, put off this and put on this. And he said, flee these other things, but verse 11, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. And then in verse 12, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. You'll find many references in Scripture to similar to what we've talked about uh, or sang about this morning. Soldiers of Christ, fight the good fight of faith. Be a good warrior. Endure hardness as a good soldier. Well, when when you allude to the fact that that there is a fight, a fight of faith, it assumes the fact that there's a battle going on, that there's a war that is going on. You don't, you don't have to be very alert to realize that there is a culture war that is going on in our society today. The numbers from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said that in 2016, 64,070 people died from drug overdoses because of our opioid crisis in our land. That number, to put it in perspective for you that can remember this, that number is more than the lives of the Americans lost in the entire Vietnam War. That's in one year of drug overdoses, and they tell us that it's even worse now than it was in 2016. There's a culture war that's going on. Studies show that soon in North America, 
we'll be closing thousands of more churches every year than we are planting. Each successive generation from baby boomers on is are less and less interested in church or traditional, as we would say, Judeo-Christian issues, to say less and less interested in spiritual matters, um, would not be true, but they're going to different sources, Eastern religions and, and different, different sources for their, their spiritual walk. We are in a, we are in a culture war. When, when politicians say you cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for and what you care about, you know we are in a, in a culture war. Hillary Clinton made that statement within the last two weeks, that you can't expect to be civil with people that oppose you. You can be civil when you are winning, in essence, is, is the message that is given. You may have heard a t- former Attorney General Eric Holder this last week said, when they are low, we need to kick them. You tell me this isn't a battle? Maxine Waters said, we need to harass them wherever they are. She said, let's make sure that we show up wherever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome anymore anywhere. There is a culture war that is going on, but it's not new. Let me read a quote. I won't tell you who said it yet. Your purpose then, plainly stated, is that you will destroy the government unless you are allowed to construe and enforce the Constitution as you please on all points in dispute between you and us. You will rule or ruin in all events. That was stated by Abraham Lincoln in 1860 in his Cooper Union Address. Doesn't sound any different from what we hear today, is it? In other words, he said, your purpose in 1860, if you can't have the Constitution the way you interpret it, you will not abide by it, you will ruin it. And, and, and you will rule my way, or you will ruin it, is what their position was. Sam Clovis said, I have studied the far left for more than two decades now. I have also studied conservatism, the founding of this nation, the Constitution, and the unvarnished history of this nation. In all of that exposure, I can say without qualification that the far left has no intention of ever compromising on any level on any point, on any issue. The default position of the far left is to attack 
if they encounter disagreement. They attack their own and quickly bring errant children to heel. They look at dealing with conservatives as a blood sport and will do whatever it takes to take down the issue. And if they cannot do that, they will engage in the politics of personal destruction to destroy the individual. I do not see the point of trying to find common ground with progressives. They consider us the enemy, so being forewarned is being forearmed, and the fight is not about right or left. It is about right and wrong. There has always been a fight between right and wrong. There has always been a fight between good and evil. And the most important battleground that we are to fight is the battleground in our own personal heart and in our life. I hope to make this to come full circle today, but I want you to, I want you to stay with me here in I'm illustrating, first of all, that there is, in this fallen world, creation and fall, in this fallen world, there is a major, major battle going on. And once you come to know Christ as your personal Savior, you are redeemed, there still is a battle that goes on in us. And it is the battle between good and evil. We are, we are rescued from the fall of the old nature, but we still have the old nature, and we are in the battle continually. It's a fight of faith. It's not a fight to remain saved. It's a fight to remain walking in the victory that God has given. I don't know how many of you have ever seen a jackalope. Okay, a few of you have seen a jackalope, okay? The only place you'll see a jackalope is in a a place out in Wyoming or Colorado or Montana, primarily in Wyoming. You will see the head of a rabbit with the horns of an antelope on it, okay? It's... If anyone tells you they've seen a real, look at the jackalope running across the prairie. Get them to a hospital quickly, all right? You can buy jackalopes out in Wyoming. They're stuffed jackalopes. And, and, um, but the reality, some of them, they call them jackalopes, but they put deer antlers on them. Those aren't even go with their name, okay? But the reality is, They're neither a jackrabbit, nor are they an antelope. And we have many in Christian circles that are trying to mix two different things, the world and Christianity, and it can't be. And it's because we're losing the battle in our own personal lives, in our own heart, the fight of faith. And it is a fight. And, and honestly, it is a battle. It, it is always a battle to, to, um, 
get the right to win. I was, I was thinking this last week. Um, was mowing under our pear trees. There's good pear trees and there's bad pear trees, you know. They're okay, but they're grainy. Do, you, do you, any of you know what I'm talking about? Pear trees that aren't worth much. That ground is covered with pear trees, with pears on the ground. And I'm thinking, we fight and we struggle to get our apple trees to produce. Why can't apples, good apples, produce? Right next to this pear tree is a better pear tree that produces better. Hardly had any pears on it. And and as I was reflecting on that, I thought, everything in life is that way. It is a battle. Anything good is a battle. I mean... Weeds just grow naturally. Evil just grows naturally in our heart. If it is not held in check, evil will just grow naturally. And it is a fight. It is a fight. Every every minute of every day, it's a fight. And I don't know about you, but if you're like me, there's times you just get weary of the fight. And Paul was writing to Timothy and he said... Timothy, you have to fight the good fight. You you need to get in there and fight it. And it begins right here personally. And and many times we are tempted to, to just get weary or tempted to just say, well, this is good enough and this is where I'm going to be. I guess this is how I am. But I want to encourage you today on why you should fight the fight of faith. And hopefully we'll bring this full circle. Number one, and, and I'm, I'm talking about the fight of faith. So this assumes that you are a believer. This assumes that you in this fallen world have come to realize that I am a sinner I am the product of this fall. I am condemned and I need redemption. I need the forgiveness that only Jesus Christ can give. And I have called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And I am now a child of his. Paul is writing to a child of God, Timothy. And he says, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. It is a fight. It is a battle. It is strenuous. It is difficult. So why should we fight the fight of faith? Number one, to show I value my salvation. This is, this is, I have been redeemed. I have gone from darkness to light. I have gone from condemned to forgiven and pardoned. I have gone from, from guilty and, and hopeless to now I have the blessed hope. I have gone from being alone and separated from God to now having fellowship with God. And this great, great gift that God has given to us and he he grants to us this gift of faith. Am I willing to fight for it? 
Am I willing to stand up for it? Am I willing in my own personal life to, to turn from the evil that my heart and my mind and my eyes and my ears and all my senses want to pull me toward and say, no, I value my salvation more than I value these pleasures. I value my salvation more than I value my own control in my life. I value my salvation more than anything else. We show the value of something when we make it a priority and we let it actually affect our lives. I believe there's many people that really don't value their salvation because it's never really affected their lives. It's never changed a lot. See, what, what is the burden on my heart? Yes, this culture war, all this stuff that we've said before, but we're in that condition today because we as Christians haven't fought the fight of faith in our own personal lives to the point that we are blazing lights in this darkness that would affect the culture. And yes, it burdens me about the culture, what, but what burdens me more than that is that when we know the truth and don't walk in it, it shows we don't value our salvation. I mean, any time good news happens, what is the one thing when good news happens you want to tell someone? I mean, when good news, we're made that way, that that we want to share the good news. Why is it that as Christians, this is the greatest news that we've been rescued, but we find it difficulty sharing it? Why should I fight the fight of faith to show I value my salvation? God, this is the precious treasure that if it's buried in a field, I would be willing to go and spend all I have to buy that field in order to obtain that treasure, but you gave it to me as a free gift. Just because it's free to us doesn't mean it loses its value and was not costly. Why should I fight the fight of faith? And it's this fight of faith that, that here we are and, and we're in between this, this fallen nature and this redeemed nature and we're in this battle and this God says, this is what I want you to do and, and our mind and our feelings and, and others are pulling us this way. But we fight the fight of faith because we know, wait a minute, I know God's ways are best. I might feel like doing this. I might not see how this is going to work out, what God's asking me to do. But wait a minute. I know that God's ways are best. And so I'm going to do whatever I have to to walk in God's ways. And I'm going to fight this fight of faith. And and if it means radically changing my life in this way so this doesn't have grip on me, I am going to do whatever I have. I am going to fight this fight of faith because I know God's ways are best. Psalm 1830, as for God, his ways are perfect. And realizing that, you know, I am not going to let my nature or my heritage or my thinking draw me away from walking in God's ways. 
in the reality of our of our own personal lives that battle goes on every day and not just every day every moment every moment am i going to do what god wants or am i going to do what i think why fight the fight of faith thirdly because i love life this is a matter of life and death And if you don't walk in faith, you don't have life. Proverbs 14 and verse 12 and Proverbs 16 and verse 25, he said the exact same thing two times. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Any path that is not God's path will end in death. And in realizing that, this this war that's going on within me, I'll either yield to the flesh or to the spirit. If I yield to the flesh, it will reap corruption, Galatians 5 tells us. If I yield to the spirit, it will yield life. What do you want, life or death? And, and because we love life, Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life, that you might have it abundantly. What is this opioid crisis that we have? That's just the work of Satan. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's his ultimate, ultimate success is killing someone before they come to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. He knows he has their soul for eternity. And it is. It boils down to life and death. And because I love life and and love um, seeing things grow and being one that grows, it comes down. I am going to fight whatever hinders me from walking in God's ways And I'm going to resist that. I'm going to fight that because why? I love life. Number four, why should we fight the fight of faith? To give help and hope to others. So here we are. We're living in a fallen world. We come to realize Jesus Christ will give me life. And liberty in him and we receive Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and we have redemption. We're restored to fellowship with God. We have access to God and God leaves us here for what purpose? He leaves us here for the purpose of helping bring hope and help to others, the multitudes that are living in the fallen world. So, if I am over here and I am not fighting the fight of faith and I am a casualty in the war or I'm, I'm barely limping along, I am of, I am of no use to help in this fallen world, to bring help, to bring hope to anyone. If, if I am as a believer in this world, redeemed, and and I come to the point where I say, you know what, I'm I'm just waiting for Christ's return. 
No, he didn't put us here to just wait for Christ's return. He said to occupy until I come. That means to be busy about God's work until he comes. We ought to be looking forward to it, but it's not just sitting back and doing nothing. It's a fight. It's it's a battle that we're in, and we need to fight the fight so that we can go and rescue others. Let's just have every kid 16 and under. Would you just stand up and raise your hands up, okay, so we can see you, all right? Are these kids worth fighting for? Look at them. Yeah. Yeah, they're worth fighting for. Thank you. Maybe You may sit down. And it's not because they're your kids or your grandkids. It's they're made in the image of God. And the reality is, you might get weary and I'm tired of the fight. It's a fight. Good marriages don't happen without a fight. I don't mean fight with each other. Those happen too. But you, anything good does not happen without a battle. Satan wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to bring division between you and your kids. He he wants you to to give up the battle. We all have weaknesses and 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 areas that we need to grow in. And rather than give up, Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Get in there and and you struggle with greed. Get in there and do whatever you have to to knock greed out. And don't you quit until you've pummeled it to death. I'm tired of these nicey-nice Christians. This is evil. It's out to kill us. It's out to destroy us. It's death. It wants to take every one of these kids and destroy them and keep them from salvation and to send them to an eternity in the lake of fire, and just because they're in church doesn't mean that won't happen. If they don't see the reality of Christ in our life, if they don't see Christ get out of the church, if they see us walking in anger and greed and pride, if they see us succumbing to the lust of the flesh, We're just cutting the legs right off the gospel. It it amazes me. It it utterly amazes me that, that people can hear the truth, hear the truth, hear the truth, and not implement it. I mean, I'm just shocked. Honestly, if if I was gonna live a life like that, I wouldn't come here to church. I'd go to some milk toast where they talk about Reader's Digest and and you meet one one hour a week and call it good. But to hear the truth, to whom much is given, much will be required. And is it a battle? Yes. Every day I battle in my life. Every day you ought to be battling in your life. Do you get tired of it? Absolutely. But you look around and you you think, man, these kids are worth it. And the people that you work with need it. And the people that you live next door need this. We give up and just wait for Christ's return. I thought that's like an EMT 
refusing calls saying, I'm just waiting. I'm going to be retiring in six months, and, and I, I'm, I'm not taking any calls anymore. How did we get a culture like we have that we mentioned earlier? How did we get there? The issue is we got tired of the fight. One thing about it, Satan never gets tired of the fight. If we had the determination of the forces of evil, it'd be amazing what would happen. But in order to give help and hope to others, number five, why fight the fight of faith? Because judgment day is coming. And someday I am going to answer to God for the redemption that he gave me and what I did with this gift of salvation and how I allowed it to change my life and make me more like Christ, and I am going to give an account of myself to everything that I have done in this body following my salvation. And a sad, sad day to be there and to be saved, as 1 Corinthians 3 says, so as by fire. Nothing to show for the Christian life. We cannot imagine the shame, the reproach, of giving up in the fight. We are to obey God. And we will be held accountable. This is why we're left here, to be a light. And the reality is we fight. There, there's all these battles that are going on. But first of all, we fight the fight of faith right here and now in our own personal lives. And I want to encourage you today, get back in the fight if you've tapered off, if you're coasting. If you've grown weary, we grow weary. That's where we need to renew our strength day by day through the Word of God. But to get back in the fight and say, I am committed to living out the Word of God. I, I fail there, but I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to get up. I'm going to walk on. And I am going to, by God's grace, I want to walk. The truth. And then, as we walk the truth, we want to step into a culture that is opposed to God, and we want to get involved and engaged in this culture because we want a culture that there's liberty to preach the gospel, don't we? First Timothy talks about that, that we ought to pray for that. And so, the, the, the issue is not winning the culture war. The issue is at least making the culture so we can present the gospel. Because, let me tell you, the culture war, war will never be won. Ultimately, evil will win the culture war. Antichrist will come and everyone will be following him on this earth. Then, of course, ultimately, Christ comes and, you know the rest of the story, sets up his thousand-year reign. But we fight in the culture war because we want to preserve the liberty. We want these kids and grandkids to grow up being able to go to a church and hear the gospel preached openly, to be able to read their Bible, to be able to gather and pray. That's why we fight. 
That's why we pray. But the first fight has to begin right here in our own personal lives. And then we carry it into the other realm after it begins here. We fight for freedom in our own personal lives so that we can walk in that freedom and fight the fight of faith so that we can be a light in this dark world. The point is not the culture war with what I started. As I said, my, my heart is grieved at, at the stuff that's going on. But my heart is heavier with the stuff that goes on in the name of Christianity, of us not being diligent enough in the fight to have the character quality of Christ coming out of our life. I don't know where you are. Maybe you're tired of the fight and you're just waiting for Christ to come. We close our service. Maranatha. But that doesn't mean just sit back and wait. It means I have blessed hope that he's coming again. And that means accountability day is around the corner. And I need to be in the fight. I need to be fighting. How important it is that we fight the fight of faith. That we're not just going around looking for a fight. That we're not having argumentative spirit, a contrary spirit. But that we have a Christ-like spirit that is evidence that we're winning the battle in our own personal lives. And then we're healthy enough to come into a culture and help rescue Plant some seeds that helps rescue a person to come know redemption and ultimately restoration. I don't know where you are in the fight. But I know this, that every one of us can fight a little better. And if you're here today and you say, I am not sure I'm even in the fight. You're still living in the fallen world with a fallen nature without hope. Jesus Christ is the only answer. It's not getting in here and trying harder. It's acknowledging I cannot save myself. I cannot forgive myself. I need Christ. And if you are a believer, how do you show you value your salvation Are you fighting those tendencies to to go the wrong way and look at the wrong thing and and say the wrong thing and and let self rule in your heart? No, self, you're not going to rule. I'm going to take captive. I love those verses in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, take captive every thought. That's a battle. That's an, an aggressive action. Take captive every thought and bring it into obedience to the knowledge of Christ. That, we need to do battle with our mind. No, you're not going there. Quit thinking about yourself. Poor me. No, we're not going there. Take captive every thought and grab that thought and bring it back into subjection to God. And when we do, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful. Paul came to the end of his life was about ready to be beheaded by Nero. 
And he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me in that day. When you've done a good job and worked your hardest, you know it. And you're able to finish the day and say, I gave it my all. When you fought a good fight as Paul and finished the course, you'll know it by Christ's response. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would stir up Christians today, that we would have a renewed zeal for you, a renewed love for you, that we'd be willing to fight whatever is going to hinder that And, Lord, that it would begin right in our own personal lives. I pray that your Spirit would open our eyes to the battles in our own lives and that we would walk in the victory of you. Lord, may there be a renewed zeal for you as a result of our time here today. And I pray if there are any here today that have never trusted you for the forgiveness of sins, Lord, I pray today would be that day. Lord, thank you that we are able to be in the fight. Lord, I thank you that your grace is sufficient, that your strength is sufficient for every battle. And Lord, I thank you for the victory we can have in you. I praise you in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Let's stand.